So I saw that this morning um, that the Philippines were, were really, really struggling. I saw an AG missionary post about it and uh, began to, to pray for those people. Saw some pictures that were heart-wrenching of people stuck on rooftops and waves crashing over rooftops. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it's a horrendous uh, moment. And the missionary prayed, uh, asked us to pray for two things. Uh, the first thing he said is, is, please pray for the Filipino people during this time. And then he said, after the storm passes, pray for the Filipino church that they're able to rise up and be the hands and feet of Christ to those who are hurting. Amen. So if you would, absolutely, if you would pray for that with me and with us as a church. Amen. So uh, today we are two days away from a very contested, heated election, right? Um, it's, it's a little bit crazy to say the least. Thing, things have gone a little nuts. Uh, last week, as I prepared to preach something completely different, half of my message for this week slipped out. I, I don't know some of you that may be preachers uh, that, that may happen at times. And you heard it. You did. Yeah, see, 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 some of you that may be preachers, uh, when you start uh, studying and preparing for too many messages at once, they, they tend to get intertwined a time or two, right? But that's okay because God has a plan always and God moves in it. And I was able to get all of my passion out last week so that I could just teach on what I feel like God has laid on my heart this week. So the plan is not to be loud and passionate about it this week. My plan is to get through my notes. So if y'all would pray with me uh, that I'll be able to get through everything the Lord has told me to talk about today. I would appreciate that. And as all, as you know, or, or as I told you last week, this is the first time in my uh, pastoral life that I've preached on politics. First time. I, I, I told you guys when I came to pastor this church, I'm not a political pastor. Uh, I don't dive into politics, and I know some are called to, and I'm not one of them. Right, And I told you all of that, and that has been true. Uh, but then all of a sudden, the Lord started just stirring my heart. And the Lord said, as a lead pastor and as shepherd of this church, uh, I have a duty and a responsibility to share with you what I feel like the heart of God is in the, in the midst of a turmoil of this country. Amen? So that's where my heart is. And if you get mad at me, get mad at me. But, but then forgive me, okay? Because why? Because you have to. The Bible said you have to forgive me. Listen, you have to forgive me if you want to see me in heaven, right? Because <laughs> God said if you don't forgive your brother, he won't forgive you. And the Lord's Prayer says uh, that we, uh, Lord, help us to forgive others the same way you forgive us, right? Or actually, it says that backwards, which is actually a scarier statement, but that's what it says. So today we're starting a series, guys, and, we're in, and I'm doing the political portion of the series first. So that's, that's today. The rest of the series will not be political. The rest of the series is talking about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And that falls completely in line with what I'm talking about today. But after today, we're going to move on from politics to some other things. And we are actually tag team preaching uh, this month. So Pastor Eddie and Pastor Brad and myself have been ha having our own little small group. Uh, 
So I don't know how many of you guys have been coming on Wednesday nights and been a part of small groups, but small groups have been really good. I've heard lots of great things coming from it. Um, we're, we're probably nearing the end of that eight weeks. I don't know exactly where it falls, but we're nearing the end. We got a few more left, uh, and then we'll go back to, to normal preaching and worship on Wednesday nights. Uh, but those of you who have been going to a small group, bless you. I'm so glad that you are, and I hope that you're blessed through it, uh, that you're, you'll find yourself discipled, find yourself challenged, and also find yourself fellowshipped. Amen. Is that a word? Yeah, fellowship, uh, find you some friends, amen. So, so we hope that that's the case, right? Some of you are all like, I need friends, like I don't have any. Well, we pray for you that you do. So John chapter 14, if you would turn there with me. I'm going to read a scripture and then we're going to dive into this thing and I'm going, to, I'm going to roll through it. I've got 29 minutes, 28 minutes, and 8, 7, 6 seconds. So I will give it to you as quickly as, as I can. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1, it'll also be on the screen for you if you need it, says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if you go and prepare, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. How many of you know there's always a doubting Thomas in the room? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how are we going to know the way? I'm just throwing my, my little emphasis in on what he said in scripture, right? Because Thomas spoke up. He, he said, where I'm going, you know, and you know the way. And, and, and Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way, right? And Jesus said to him, oh, Thomas. I, I added that part for emphasis. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I want to talk to you today about this election season but also about all future election seasons. And I want, to vote, I want to talk to you about voting Jesus. Vote for Jesus. And some of you say, well, I have not seen Jesus on the little fill-in-the-blank spots. I, I have not seen Jesus on the ballot. Oh, Jesus is on the ballot. Yeah. He's, he's on the ballot in, in many different ways, but he's on the ballot, Right? So we open up our message today, and I want to I talk to you about a contentious time in modern history, a contentious season. There are two political parties who seem to be as different as you could possibly get. One party leans towards the wealthy and represents them. The other party claims to lean towards the common people and represent them. Both parties claim a certain religiousness, and both parties think that they are the only ones who are right. And when I say that both parties claim religiousness, how many of you know that many people claim religiousness? But Jesus said that in the end, there will be some people that come before him and say, but Lord, I did all this work for you. Lord, I did this for you. I claimed it in your name. 
And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Right? So some people claim religiousness, but we know that in the end, because it's scriptural, that some people will come before Jesus claiming to know him, but have not known him. That is one of the scariest scriptures in the Bible to me. I, I have studied and prayed over that scripture. I've been like, Lord, just help me to really know you. Help me to really get close to you. Help me to really know your heart for me. Help me to really know your heart for my family and your heart for people, right? The party that represents the wealthier class of people crack down harder on crime and make punishments harder for those who step out of bounds. The other party is more lenient on crime, sometimes waving off or even backing those who break the law. Both parties are self-righteous. Both parties are self-righteous, one justifying their excessive lifestyles, the other claiming to live like regular people while secretly enjoying excessive lifestyles themselves. Then you have another party who doesn't have anything to do with the two main parties, although they believe similarly in certain ways. The third party is mostly rejected and ignored. Nobody really pays a whole lot of attention to it. And although the two main parties exhibit leadership over the people, they are actually under the control of other powers. These other powers toy with them like puppets, allowing them some room, then winding them back in, holding over their head budgets and secret monies and bribes and, and lobbying for their own interests. So really, these other controlling interests lobby to get what they want, forcing the politicians to walk a tightrope between keeping the peace and pleasing those they are beholden to. Jesus scares every single one of them. <laughs> Not the thought of Jesus as a good teacher. Not the thought of Jesus as a nice man. Not the thought of Jesus as a pleasant friend. But the thought of Jesus, the King of Kings, the Son of God, the one who will sit on a throne of judgment and sort the goats from the sheep, the one who brings the fear of the Lord on the land, that Jesus scares all of them, scares them to death for three reasons. Jesus has the ability to stop their little system in its tracks. Jesus has that ability. Jesus knows what's really happening in their hearts. It doesn't matter what's coming out of their mouth. Jesus knows what's happening in their hearts. And they recognize if somebody gets all of Jesus, they won't need any of them. I'm trying not, I'm trying, trying to stay behind the podium today. Rain me in, Josh, rain me in. Politicians say, we have bread lines that we've given the people. And Jesus says, I got bread you don't know anything about. Yeah. 
The disciples came back to Jesus one day when he was talking to a certain woman at the well. And they said, we went and got you lunch. You haven't eaten? Uh, Jesus, I think you need to leave that one alone and come over here and eat. And Jesus said, I've got bread you don't know anything about. And when people get all of Jesus, the less they need of politics, the less they need of politicians, the less they need of the statures and the structures of this world. Because we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And as Christians, if we could just unify behind that, we could change something. Politicians say, we fought for you for clean water. Jesus says, I got water that stops your thirst forever. If you drink my water, you won't need to thirst for another's water. If you drink my water, you won't be thirsty again. And people say, how is it possible to not be thirsty again? Because uh, the human body needs water for consumption, blah, 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 blah. And, and then and Jesus says, but, but listen, I'm not talking about physical water. I'm talking about a spiritual water that takes the thirst out of man, that takes the thirst out of men and women, the thirst that they thirst for the things of this world and causes them to really focus and only understand that Christ is all that we need. I'm going to get to voting. And yes, Christians, you've got to vote. But before we go vote, we need to understand that we need all of Jesus. And we need to understand that Jesus is all we need. We need all of Jesus and Jesus is all we need. And then when you vote, and then when you spend time looking at politics and listening to, to radio stations and listening to, to TV and watching TV, you won't get so worked up and you won't have so much fear because you'll understand that when Jesus is all you need, then you cling on to him and everything else is nothingness. The scariest thing in the world to a politician is not being in control because they aren't needed. What makes a politician do what a politician does? They want to be needed. They have a desire and a want to be needed. So I'm sure you're wondering as I laid out the boundaries of these two parties, which is which? And some of you think you know, and you may be right. But the party of the rich who held to the strict standards and claimed righteousness above all the others was called the Sadducees. You weren't right, were you? The party of the people who claim to love the common man and that will all rise together or not at all were called the Pharisees. The third party who was rejected and didn't really have much influence in that culture were known as the Samaritans. See, I, I started thinking about what, what would God have to say about the contentiousness of the political state of our nation right now? What would God have to say about Christians fighting online back and forth like rabid dogs, rabidly supporting one party over the other? Man, if only we supported the Bible and God like we get behind our politicians. 
If only like last week we had a righteous anger rise upon us when something comes against the kingdom of God. As something that comes against the kingdom of whichever party we align ourselves with politically. If only we would get riled up for the things of God and and come into unity, things could be very different. The controlling power that hung rewards and threats over these two parties' heads was Rome. The politicians would sneak in and meet with the Roman governor and, 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 and work out deals behind the scenes to try to squash rebellions and, and try to make the people depend upon the government more than what they should and try to make the people and force them into rooms. And part of the problem was is this two political parties during the time claimed to be the priests and the head of what God's uh, uh, temple is supposed to be in the land for these people. And they were religious leaders who were also politicians. They were religious leaders who were working deals behind the scenes. And as I prayed about this and I thought about this, a single thought came to my mind. and, And I know it was from the Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, what were the politics of the region when you walked the earth? And I found out that it was almost identical to what we're facing today. That there was a two-party system. And the caterings and the goings-ons were similar to what we face today. And I thought, Lord, if we could just come together as Christ followers. I, I said this last week, but there's 250 million people who claim Christianity in the United States. Could you imagine if 250 million people decided we're going to withhold our vote from any party that does things that's opposite of what God would want done? How quick would the politicians start scrambling and catering to make sure that they lined up with biblical principles to get your vote? 250 million people. But the problem that that doesn't happen is because we are a fractured body in the United States i got to get back to my notes or I'll never get done. Jesus was a threat to the political structure of the time because if people listened to and believed what Jesus preached, then they didn't need to have faith in the temple political structure for their lives and spiritual standing with God. If they listened to Jesus and they caught a new revelation, then they didn't have to be beholden to the political structures that kept them bound down. They didn't have to be beholden to that because Jesus said, I am the way. And he taught that I am the truth. And he taught that I am the life. And the Christian community had a different name back then. Rather than being known Christians, which came along at a later date, they were known as followers of the way. They followed the way. That was the way. Well, today, I believe a lot of the church has lost its way. And a lot of the church is following other segments. And a lot of the church is is, is labeling themselves with other labels. See, at that time and frame, if you follow Jesus, you forsake all else. That if you follow Jesus, that was your label. If you follow Jesus, you were a member of the way and you were a threat to any political party in the region. Why do you think uh, the apostles and the disciples were dying and getting killed and getting hunted? Because they were a threat to the political structures of of the region. If only apostles and prophets and pastors would rise up today 
and begin to be a threat to the political structure instead of linking arms with the political structure? What could we change as a people? What could we do in our communities? What would truly be on the ballot then? I will tell you this, it won't be a simple yes or no vote for one person and a yes or no vote for another, but the two-party two position would have to be uh, dismantled and stranded, and every politician would have to stand on their own merits, not hide behind a party platform and say, this is my platform and I have to go along with it. But men, would, men of God would rise up and be able to step into office and say, I, "This, you want to know my platform? This is my my platform. You want to know what I believe in? This is what I believe in. You want to know what I stand for? I stand for Jehovah God, the Almighty. That's who I stand for. You want to know how I'm going to vote on Capitol Hill? I'm going to vote Jesus. You want to know what kind of backroom deals are being done? I'm going to be leading people to the Lord and baptizing them in the power of the Holy Spirit so that there's a, a wave of salvation that comes across the floor of the house so that we no longer have, have doctrines of demons running the house and doctrines of demons running the Senate, but we have the Holy Ghost blowing through a country that was founded on, on Christian principles, that was founded on biblical beliefs, and we've got to get back to that. told y'all I wasn't going to get wild today. So let's look at some scriptures that outline what's it mean to be a follower of the way. What does it look like? Matthew 16, 24 says, and Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny. That means deny your culture. Deny your own selfish wants and desires. Deny your flesh. Deny your concern for yourself over the well-being of others. You deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus as the way. John 8, 12 says this. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That we exhibit the light of Jesus to a dark, dark world. We introduce the light of Jesus wherever we walk, wherever we go. First John 2, 3 through 4. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. That to follow the way... We've got to keep his commandments. We've got to be biblical in our thinking, biblical in our voting, biblical in everything that we do. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus has a separate kingdom, a separate structure than what we live in. Jesus has a separate kingdom. And can I tell you, church, that kingdom is going to come back and settle on the earth once again. 
the followers of the way, the followers of Christ, those of us who believe the words of this Bible have to start incorporating that into every area of our life, including our politics. We learn from scriptures that we exist in this world, but our citizenship is in heaven. That we are to be salt and light to the world, changing how the world sees and tastes. I wonder if we stepped outside of ourselves for a moment and really took a good look. Would we be displaying the light of the world when we're fighting online over politics? Would we be displaying the light of the world when we're angrily and bitterly pointing our finger at fellow Christians and, and, and condemning them or coming against them over politics? See, the devil is in the process. The devil is definitely in those details, right? We're supposed to conform to this world, but be not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Transformed by the renewing of our minds. You have a word? Give me one second. Our allegiance is to Jesus before anything else. Now listen, this is the part that's going to make you mad. Our allegiance is to Jesus before our own families. That's hard. Our allegiance is to Jesus, not our heritage. Our allegiance is to Jesus, not our culture. Our allegiance is to Jesus, not our tribe. To Jesus, not our political persuasion. Our allegiance is to Jesus, not our geographical area. Our allegiance is to Jesus, not our skin color. Our allegiance is to Jesus, not to anything else before Him. Give God a hand clap of praise today because we have the opportunity, church. I'm going to get to the rest of what this looks like even after the election in a minute. Do you remember, Pastor Steve, I think it was probably about three years ago, we had a conversation. And I just said to you at the time, uh, what do you think the purpose is that purple is the color of the king? Do you remember that conversation? Abigail and I were just reading Exodus this weekend, and I think I mentioned that to you before service. And the, the Lord has given me a word through that. Do you remember when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, the Lord commanded him to start taking a free will offering from the people, to build a tent of meeting, to build the Holy of Holies, where his presence would come and meet face to face with Moses. And that free will offering he took from the people, he asked them to give up freely their cloth of red and their cloth of blue. Not blood, not Crips, not Democrat, not Republican. The color of red and the color of blue, the color of blood and the color of bruising coming together to make the color of purple, the color of the king. <laughs> Thank you.
So how do we navigate the waters of a culture of disunity as Christians? Not just a culture of disunity, but a culture of disparity. Because it's not just disunity anymore. It's been disunity for a while. Now it's turned into disparity. It used to be if your political party didn't win, you might not get some of these things that you're voting for that you want. Now it's turned in if your political party doesn't win, it's the end of the world as we know it. And it's, it's spewing fear and it's fear politics. But here's the scary part. Followers of Christ have gotten so wrapped up into it that they're bitter and angry and at each other's throats like rabid dogs. I follow some pastors' pages that are filled with nothing but pastors. And there's disunity on there every single day. There's disunity between the black church and the white church. And there's disunity between uh, this northern pastor and this southern pastor. There's even disunity between women pastors and male pastors. But there's this disunity that happens every single day. And I get so sick of it, I just have to shut it off. Fear-based politics have sucked in the average Christian. The average Christian has been sucked in to fear-based politics. And it's, listen, I'm going to get to that in a minute. i got to get through my notes. A large percentage of evangelical Christians cannot understand how a Bible-believing Christian can vote for a Democrat. Right? There's a large percentage of evangelical Christians who say, if you're saved, there's no possible way you could vote for a Democrat. Right? And they call their salvation into question. Now listen. We'll get to more of that in a minute. I keep getting ahead of myself. Others believe in their hearts that a vote for Trump is a vote for racism and hatred. So there's, there's, there's Christians that believe one thing about Trump. And then there's Christians who believe other things about Biden and Harris and the Democrat Party. Right? The only one who's showing any fruit is Mike Pence, to be honest with you. But that's just... That, that man is like just solid. He's like smiling, you know. <laughs> but but we, we disparage each other's character over politics. We disparage each other's identity. Now, I've said, and the word confirmed through the word of God by, by Craig has said, that we can't be so sold out to a political party that we lose the fruits of the spirit when we're dealing with each other. Right? But that we need to learn from each other. We need to talk to each other. And I don't know, but I'm all for a Christian party that stands on all the principles of the Word of God, not just picking a few here and a few there, but a party that stands on all the principles of the church. God, I can get behind that. I will, I will stand, well, I can't do it from the pulpit, but I would do it on Facebook. I would promote a candidate who stood for the Christian party and followed the, the Bible beliefs. But Pastor Kenny said to me last week, how are we going to do that when most churches in America can't decide on the, car on the color of the carpet in the sanctuary?
That's why we need to get all of Jesus before we do anything else. Because all the minor stuff won't major in our lives if we get all of Jesus first, right? So, so let's roll through this for a minute. So most Christians uh, believe those two things that I just talked about, right? However, most Christians aren't praying and investigating what we're told and believed by the media. So most Christians aren't investigating, is Trump a racist? They're believing what CNN said. They're believing what MSNBC said. They're believing what they saw their other Democrat friends on Facebook say. Right? Or maybe taking a clip here out of context or a clip there out of context. And nobody's investigated it. And then on the other side, how many uh, Christians who line up behind the Republican Party have said, you know, how can a Christian vote Democrat? You know, I just don't understand that. You know what I'm going to do? Instead of spewing hatred and calling them unsaved, I'm going to go have a sit-down conversation with them and find out what it is biblically that makes them line up behind that party because I just don't see it. Right? And then we start behaving and acting like Christians instead of behaving and acting like lunatics. And then we have a conversation instead of a conflict. Amen? Because that's the stuff that's been coming to my mind. I've told y'all and I've been open about it. I don't endorse any candidate because I can't. They'll haul me off probably, right? I can't endorse a candidate. However, I've told y'all that for years I am a conservative voter because my views align conservatively. Right? But, but the thoughts are coming to my mind like, like we ha I have people that I know and love and that love Jesus with everything within them. And they are Holy Ghost filled. And I trust them handing them a microphone in this church. But they vote different from me. And I want to know why. Why? And what it boils down to is political preference isn't always biblical. And we line up behind other things before we line up behind the Bible. And I've been guilty in my life of lining up behind the Republican Party before I lined up behind the Bible. And other people, it's about to get tight. Other people in this room are guilty of lining up behind the Democratic Party before they line up behind the Word of God. So what do we got to do as Christians of both persuasions? And there's both persuasions sitting in this house right now because I feel the laser beams on me. <laughs> what do we do? We have a conversation about it. We pray about it. We grab each other's hands and talk through it. And we try to figure out what's biblical and what can we agree on and what do we get behind together. Amen? So... The church is split because we're labeling ourselves with the wrong labels. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Or are you a follower of the way? Are you a follower of Christ? Pastor Tony Evans did a series called Kingdom Voting. And uh, I watched that series eagerly because I wanted to learn. And when I watched that series, he got to the point he kept saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I am in a few minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I am. And he would preach the word. He'd say, in a few minutes, I'm going I'm to tell you which, what I get behind. And in just a few minutes, and he'd preach the word. He'd say, it's coming up next. I'm going to tell you what I am and what I get behind. And everybody's on the edge of their seat, right? Like, what's he going to say? Is he going to say Democrat? He's a black pastor, black church, black community. Is he going to say Democrat? He's a Christian man standing upright. Obviously, he supports the, the, the life of the unborn, right? Is he going to say Republican? 
And he looks at the camera. And he says, I am a kingdom independent. That's something I can get behind. <laughs> what? what if we voted as kingdom independence and every politician had to earn our vote? How much different would the back deals look? How much different would our world look? How much different would the United States of America look? You know, um, I heard some teaching this week. Jessica and I spent some time in the, in the, in the Holy Ghost-filled meetings for the last three days. Uh, we came home Saturday, and, man, we just got filled up. But I heard some, some, uh, some teaching from a man who is an apostle and church planner out in Indianapolis, and, and he came in and he did some teaching, and, and it, was, it, wasn't, uh, it was biblical, but he was laying down history. And he showed how the Roman Empire, before it fell, uh, came to the place where it was a two-party system, total, total disunity. And the Roman Empire was the strongest country in the world at the time. And before it fell, it came to a place of total disunity. And then he showed the parallels between that and what's happening in the United States. And then he laid out the parallels, didn't he, Pastor Brad, about how every 250 years in history, power transfer, transfers from the east to the west. And that 250 years ago, the United States was formed. And the United States became the world power. But if we don't get behind God and get unified as Christians to direct, to quit, letting, to quit wagging the tail... Right, But get in the head and lead with the bit and the lead. If we don't as Christians do that soon, you may see power transfer again from the west to the east. And we may find ourselves as a Christian nation, as a, as a, as a United States of America, a world power. We might find ourselves as a third world country if we're not careful. I believe there's been many ways God has blessed this nation. I believe it was founded on biblical beliefs and principles. And I believe that we also have a lot of sin that we had to atone for. But just like any person that is birthed into newness with God, you got a lot of sin that has to get covered. And you got a lot of things in you that's got to get worked out along the way in your walk. So as a, as a country, I, I just I believe that. So, so how do we vote in future elections? How do we vote? Will you guys give me 10 more minutes? You guys good? If, if you need to walk out, walk out. I won't be, I'll be a little hurt, but I won't be totally hurt. <laughs> so in the future, how do we vote as kingdom independence? How do we as kingdom independence bring that to the, to the polling booth? How do we vote when we're in a two-party political system? So we go to the Bible. We compare each political party to the word of God. We compare each uh, principle in their party platform to the word of God. And we educate ourselves with what the Holy Spirit is saying, not what media is saying. Right? We educate ourselves with what does this look like. We've got to understand the Bible supersedes our own political leanings. And the Bible supersedes any political party that we align with. Right? So we get, here's six principles that Christians should consider when dealing with politics in America. Here's the first one. Consider the candidate's character over their charisma. We need to look at, at candidates' character first, not charisma. 
Do you know there's stats that say the politician with the most hair usually wins? We become American Idol and pop culture in, in our presidential races and in our, our politics. There's, there's stats that say the tallest candidate usually wins. There's stats that say the most, uh, most good-looking candidate between the two in a race usually wins because people vote off other things rather than taking it to the Holy Spirit and the Bible first, right? So we consider the candidate's character over their charisma. We look at their honesty and integrity. Do they demonstrate self-control? What's their moral convictions to the best that we can find? How do they speak about God and the Bible? What do they say about God and the Bible? Those are the things that we need to be looking at when we consider a candidate's character over their charisma. Number two, we need to then consider Christ over the candidate. I want to say it. I'm not going to say it. Consider Christ over the candidate. Some people say because I'm a true Christian, I must vote Republican. Others say because I'm a part of a minority community, I must vote Democrat. What we should be doing is looking at each vote from a a biblical mindset, not a tribal mindset. That we don't line up with others just simply because that's what we've always done. But that we look at each candidate through the lens of the Bible. What does the Bible say? Here's the next one. Faith over fear. We vote faith over fear. People have been so pumped full of fear that Christians are deathly afraid of who's going to get into office, and it comes out in how we talk to each other. Fear develops anger and resentment. So we let fear of a Democrat getting into office, or some Christians have a fear of a Republican candidate keeping office, that we are fighting each other verbally and abusing each other over political candidates. Or we even write each other off. Faith must reign in our lives. No matter who wins this election, can I tell you, church, the good news? God is sovereign. God can work through whoever is in office because he's just mighty and strong like that. There's been plenty of times in the history of the Old Testament and the Bible where God has used used men who were immoral. And, and, and doing things that were anti-biblical. And God has used them to bring around his purposes. So having faith over fear is realizing that not all is lost if your particular candidate doesn't get into office. All is not lost because God is still on the throne. And we've got to trust that God is going to do something through the process of what's happening because that's what he always does. That's what he always does. Amen? Unity over division. The Christian community has been separated over how people vote in an American election. But honestly, this election won't mean a hill of beans in a thousand years when we're all in eternity. Fishing in our favorite fishing holes. Worshiping the Lord around, around, watching the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. This election won't mean a hill of beans. Does it matter in our lives right now? Absolutely. Does it impact our lives right now? Absolutely. 
But no matter what, how it matters, no matter how it impacts you, we've still got to choose unity over division. Right? Information over ignorance as a Christian. Don't vote just because this person has a party symbol next to their name. That's irresponsible. We have to vote on what matters to God according to the Bible. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to outline these in a minute. i got about two minutes. Here's the first one that I know that's on the platform that matters to God. Sanctity of life. This candidate that you're getting ready to circle and, and fill in the circle next to their name, what do they think about sanctity of life? What do they think about the baby that God allowed to form in the womb? And are they still pressing the old science that it's just a clump of cells that can be done away with and it's okay because it's not really a human being? Uh, listen, politicians that back abortion have gotten brazen. It's no longer, oh, that's just a clump of cells lie. Now it's, hey, man, we're, we're okay all the way up to birth. We're going to push that baby out and while it's crying, we're going to stick a needle in its head and kill it, Right? And then in certain political communities, as that law was passed in certain states across the United States, there were politicians screaming with glee as it was passed. That's demonic. We can't vote for something that's demonic. We have to always consider the character of God before we fill in a circle. Right? Sanctity of life is important. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That means that that little baby before it was formed in the womb had a personality. That little baby before and as it was knitted in the womb, God knew who it was. Right? And if anybody in this room has been affected by abortion, can I tell you that there is healing for it? And that God is a forgiving God. And God is a healing God. And he will come alongside you and he will help you and walk you through it. And then one day when you enter into heaven, you'll get to meet that baby again. And with no memory of why that baby wasn't with you on earth. Because there's no tears in heaven. Amen. And if you, listen, if you've been affected by that and you need help, you call me. Don't you sit in your pain and hurt. You call me. Because I will lead you to somebody who can walk you through healing in that area. I promise you. I want to see you healed. Okay. Here's the second one. Religious freedom. Does the candidate support the church's freedom to hold biblical values and exercise our First Amendment rights consistent with the scriptures? Now listen, do your research. I'm not telling you which party. But there's one party that affirmed that in the first hundred days they would pass the Equality Act, which, which does this. That means that if a church or a Christian university or a Christian daycare, uh, anything with Christian values and beliefs from the freedom of our country, uh, who, who can hire based on what people believe, that that will no longer be the case. And you'll have Christian uh, colleges and Christian universities who preach the Bible who will no longer be able to preach the Bible. And what will happen is you'll start seeing uh, less and less impact of Christianity in the culture because those things will have to shut down, right? So in a, in a, in a matter of freedom, we already have a lot of universities that preach secularism. Let's let them continue. But we have some universities that preach the Bible. Let's let them continue, right? So, so religious freedom, that's the next one. Here's the third one. Justice for those who cannot defend themselves. Does this politician care about life from the womb to the tomb? 
Does this politician care about life at all stages? I've hit sanctity of life about the, about the womb, but does this politician really care about people in general and people that are hurting, right? Proverbs 31, 8 through 9 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And we have to speak up for those. Do, do, do they defend those who are outnumbered? Here's the next one, caring for the poor. Now listen, we argue all day long as conservatives that it is not the government's job to care for the poor. And in my Americanism and my American ideals, I totally believe that. But in my Christianity and my walk with Christ, I understand that at any point and stage that we can provide for the poor, we should. Because the Bible tells us to. To the point of when we get to heaven, Jesus will say, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I didn't have clothes. You gave me water when I needed drink, right? And Jesus, Jesus will say to you, say, when, Lord, when did I see you and clothe you and feed you and give you drink? And he'll say, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So although it may not be the government's responsibility, we need to understand uh, what the platform says about caring for the poor. The next one is prayer over pouting. This is the last one, guys, and I'm, I'm going to close on this. Come help me, Pastor Brad, so I'll close quicker. When President Obama was elected in 2008, people pouted and cried and yelled and were frustrated and said, how with his liberal policies did he get in office? How could this have happened? And then people refused to call him President Obama and withheld the title and the honor from the office. And people uh, to this day may not call him President Obama because of that. Can I tell you today, that's pouting over praying. In 2016, when President Donald Trump was elected president, and the whole other group of people who were cheering President Obama started pouting and crying and screaming and refusing to honor him in his office. Even politicians, because it gradually everything goes downhill and gradually it got worse to the point to where they didn't, they wanted to fight the election results and, and this and that. And, and for the first two years, we didn't even know what was going to happen because people got lost in pouting over praying, right? Can I tell you today, church, that no matter who wins on the third, when we wake up on the fourth, if we, if we get a, an answer on the fourth, you know, what happened to the good old days when, when you went to bed at midnight knowing, okay, so-and-so's president, you know, tomorrow it's back to work, you know. What happened to those days? Now it's courts and judges and, and rulings and, and, and cheating and, and you got dead people voting and you got all this stuff happening and it's like, what in the world? What? What? Has the world gone crazy? But listen. Whatever date we wake up and we find out who the president is, we need to pray over pout. Why? Because 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And when we don't pray for our leaders and instead we cause division and fight, you see chaos and rioting and crazy in the streets. And that's the opposite of what this scripture says. This scripture says that we may live peaceful 
in quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And no matter which candidate takes office after this election, we pray for them. We pray for them. We're going to pray for them from this platform. No matter who it is. Do you know I haven't publicly prayed for the president from this platform this year? Because things have been crazy. But you know what I've been doing? I've been avoiding the word of God. Because the word of God says that we as the Christian church should be publicly praying for our leaders. That includes everybody locally, everybody on a state level, and everybody nationally. Whoever has been placed in authority over us in leadership, the Bible says we are to pray for them. So how do we pray for somebody that you despise? I I told y'all 10 minutes, I lied. I'm so sorry. How do you pray for somebody that you despise? You pray over them that God will give them wisdom. You pray over them that God will give them a life of integrity. You pray over them that they will make decisions that are good for our country. And you pray over them that no matter who it is, that they will come into alignment with the kingdom of God. That's how we pray. That's what we do as Christians. Stand up with me, church. Listen, I I like to vote on election day. Somebody asked me yesterday, they're like, did you vote yet? And I'm like, no, not yet. They're like, why didn't you vote yet? And it like evoked like some panic, you know? And I'm like, I vote on election day. And they're like, no, the lines are going to be too long. It said so on the news. I said, well, I'm in Lakanto. Like, how long can it be? Like, I'll just show up and hang out and vote and go home, you know? I like to vote on election day. I took every one of my kids to vote on election day when they got old enough to vote. I walked them in for the first time watch them cast their ballot for the first time I consider it an honor I consider it a responsibility of us as Americans to go in and vote but when you vote I don't care if you've already voted you got another one coming up in two years things gonna get crazy again right I don't care when you voted but when you vote in the future whether you haven't voted yet like me and you're gonna vote on election day or maybe in the next two years in the election then when you vote Can I urge you to hit your knees and pray? Not align yourself behind a candidate that has a party platform, but hit your knees and pray and let the Holy Spirit give you peace and do your research and find out which candidate mostly aligns with your values and lines up with God and vote for that candidate. Okay, let me pray over you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, I thank you that you helped me get through this sermon without getting assassinated. Father, I thank you that even those that are mad at me when they leave will forgive me and come back next week. Father, I mostly pray for our country. Our Assembly of God leadership has called us to pray for our country today. Today, Lord, we cry out on behalf of everyone in this nation. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would reign supreme. That your Holy Spirit, Lord, would do its work. I pray, Lord, that we, particularly those of us who are of the way, would show light to the darkness and salt to the earth. Let us be aware and and bear the fruits of the Spirit in all circumstances. And Father, help us to, to control anger, control emotions, and to just put you first, Lord. Put you first, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys.